This is the Edinburgh Reporter podcast. Today we're in Holyrood and I'm here with three MSPs and you're all going to have to introduce yourselves. Alison Johnston, Green MSP for Lothian. Daniel Johnston, Labour MSP for Edinburgh Southern. And Sarah Boyack, Labour MSP for Lothian. And given that it's going to be International Women's Day on Sunday, the 8th of March, I thought it might be quite useful. And also in view of the fact that Gail Ross has just said she's resigning at the next election because of work-life balance. I thought it might be quite interesting for some of our listeners to hear what your life-work balance is, uh, is, is all about. And Daniel, you're here by, I don't really know why you're here because it's Women's Day, but anyway, we're going to hear your experiences on all of this too. So um, maybe Alison, I'll start with you because I first knew you as a counsellor and so clearly your family then was quite young, etc. Your life, everybody's life changes, of course. Um, how do you find time to go running and cycling and all those things that you need to do? I think it's a challenge. Part of that is fitting exercise around your travel. I have cycled in today. Um, had a bit of a mishap, actually, but that's another story. That sure is. I, <laughs> and family time, too. Yeah, it's really difficult. I think I was just elected to the councillor shortly after my daughter began primary school. Um, she's just actually headed off to university. So I've been involved in politics throughout that whole period. I've had tremendous support, though, from both sets of grandparents who live in Edinburgh. Um, My other half's really supportive. I've had a good network of family and friends because I've always lived here. Um, That's made it possible. But I would say I've got nothing but heartfelt sympathy and sadness that we're going to lose someone like Gail Ross. Mm -hmm. And I totally understand why, because I've often said myself that if I wasn't living and working in Edinburgh, I'm not sure I would have made the commitment because you're missing so much. And I've even said that despite the fact that I had that brilliant childcare on tap and often a family member, there's so many things you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss sports day or, you know, what if you've got a conflict between an important meeting with constituents and parents' evening? So there's a lot that we need to do in terms of developing flexibility. And Gail Ross is absolutely right. Let's look at using the technology we have to make politics more accessible for more people. Sarah, your own position is you were you've been on MSP a long time. I bet you say that since 1999, with a wee break in the middle. Um, do you think things have changed over that period? Do you think more? Do you think it's made, been made possible for more women to come into politics by, you know, just ideas moving on or? Well, do you know there was a shocking statistic in the debate? Um, at International Women's Day, that in 2003, we were the third most gender-balanced parliament in the world. You're not and now though. we are 35th. So we've actually gone back, and there's something for all the parties to think about involving women and people with caring responsibilities, like men with kids. Um, there's something well, about enabling us, enabling us to work together. So there's something about for next year making sure that selections across all the parties actually proactively encourage women to stand. Then there's the challenge of once we get in here, how family friendly is this parliament? So we've still got our notable crash. So for people visiting parliament, mm-hmm. that's great. But for actual MSPs, I've watched colleagues struggle over the years. And coming back, do you know, one thing I've noticed is that we're meant to be a nine to five parliament. Now that means you're in the building 
nine to five, that does not begin to take into account people's workload outside. And in one level, as Alison says, you kind of sign up to that. But I have noticed that the Parliament is meeting later and later. So that means people getting on a train to go back up north Mm -hmm. or going back home to see your kids for tea. That is harder when the Parliament doesn't actually stop the vote until 6pm. It is one day before Christmas, 8pm. So I think the business managers need to look at how we manage the Parliament's business because people need that certainty because that is not fair on working parents and it's not fair on those who've got um, older relatives that they're carers for. Absolutely. That's, That's the other end of the spectrum but it's it's a very similar responsibility so daniel how come you're here how do you manage your uh, your work-life balance because i know you have children you have yeah. young children two, two wee girls at home uh which actually are a huge benefit when you're a politician so i think there's nothing like small children to keep your feet on the ground but i mean i, I, I mean i suppose the, the reason i'm here is one very fundamental reason is that on international women's day un- unfortunately these issues still are predominantly women's issues and they shouldn't be they should be parents issues so i think first and foremost i think that's one of the key things that we need to do is that until we actually have you know that as as the understood uh, point here we, we still got a problem but i think more broadly you know i think as sarah was reflecting this parliament, when it came into being in 1999, was seen as being progressive, lots of good practices. But unfortunately, I don't think it's moved on. And I think the rest of society has. And I think first and foremost, being family friendly is, is not just about having decision time at five o'clock. And, and, and unfortunately, I think at times, that's really all that this parliament thinks you need to do. I, I think the fact that Gail struggled to get the parliament to think about using technology, there's also been issues with other members getting proxy voting put in place. There are so many things that we could do to enable people to work flexibly um, and we're not doing them. Um, so I, I think this is a wake-up call to the parliament. We really need to, to make progress on these, on these issues. Because ultimately, and I think Alison's reflection is, is spot on, I make things work because the, the, the closest part of my constituency is only 10 minutes walk away. I can get back home at night. For the MSPs that are representing areas you know, far away like Gale, they can't do that. And, and, and so uh, there's a lot more we need to do to make this place family friendly for MSPs representing areas like that. I mean, I think um, Daniel's points there are well made and I was just having a discussion um, at the end of First Minister's questions with another, I won't name him, um, but he was expressing his uncertainty about the future because of missing that time with children when, when, he's, when he's here. And I, I think as well we've got to, we're not just speaking about work-life balance in Parliament here. The Parliament is meant to set the best example. You know, I don't want want it to be fabulous for us, but most people out there are finding things extremely inflexible and difficult. But I think what the Parliament can do is lead the way. And Sarah's point about the creche is very well made. You know, you can use that until the day before your child is six, um, if if you're visiting. But I think that all of our educational institutions and so on, all of our workplaces should have their first commitment should be to those who work in the building. Um, and that would make life so much easier because think about sometimes the journeys you're making for childcare mm. and then you've got to get to work. Yeah. And then imagine as well how much better 
how much more relaxed you'd feel if something did happen to yeah, the child. Your, your child would be yeah, just they're, they're next in the door. building. Yeah. 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 So and uh, the other thing that's really changed in the last 20 years is technology. Yeah. And that's your point, Daniel. You know, we've got WhatsApp. We can now do FaceTime meetings where somebody speaks from Orkney and speaks to the local government committee but they're actually in Orkney. They don't actually have to come down here. So I think there's something about how you make the Parliament more accessible for people networking with us, giving evidence. So that's totally legitimate. But also thinking about members being able to beam in. Now we've got the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. That whole issue about being able to work at home is rapidly going up the political agenda. Yeah. We, we've got to rethink all this stuff. Yeah. And, you do. You know, work should be work should be some, something you do, not somewhere you go. You know, but we have to get away from. We have to be able to trust people to work wherever they are. Indeed. They don't yeah. have to all be in the building together. Yeah. In, in Can I just just go back a little bit because I wanted to ask you then about a, a wee bit more about um, you know lists, which we're going to come back to um, elections shortly. You know, all women lists is that a good thing? Hmm. Yeah, I think. I think each party should have a long, hard think about how best they can promote women to be members of this parliament and support them as well in the run-up to those selections, then think about supporting them afterwards. Um, And I think one of the big points in the debate we had in parliament this week was about a range of women as well, women from different backgrounds, from races, um, disability, so trying to open up not just to a woman, but a range of women. And I think that would be quite powerful for this parliament. In the same way, it'd be good to have a mix of men as well. We've had this discussion before, but a parliament that more more accurately reflects the people that we represent and for each party to take that on board and see what they can do to improve. So do you think, that Daniel, that you represent um, just another, are you just another male, pale and stale member of a Scottish Parliament? Well, I, w- I wouldn't want to do <laughs> disservice to my fellow men to think that I'm representative. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, <laughs> but um, no, I, look, I think we all need to consider both, you know, the, the privilege that we may have, but, but also, you know, the, the, the things that, that do distinguish us that, and where we might represent minorities. And sometimes that's not at all obvious. I, you know, I didn't come to this parliament thinking of myself as a disabled person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I did spo- speak out about my uh, a diagnosis of ADHD and was then told by a fellow MSP I should consider myself disabled because unless we actually think about our own uh, you know, disabilities, and there are other range of characteristics, and talk about that, we'll never open it up yeah. to other people. Uh, you know, so, so, I mean, I think, I think this parliament's got a long way to go before being fully representative in terms of you know, a broad range of, of qualities, characteristics. Um, but, you know, we're making progress. We do need people to be a bit more, more open. And, you know, coming back just to, 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 to echo what Sarah says, you know, I, I think all women shortlists are, are an absolutely critical step towards ensuring that we at least get gender equality. If we can't get it right for 50% of the population, what chance do we have on things like neurodevelopmental disorders? We have none. You know, so let's get that right first. Apparently 52% of the 52, population. 52, sorry. <laughs> and, you know, it's going up. <laughs> Kezia Dugdale and I co-founded Women 50-50 after the independence campaign. We were on different sides of that discussion, but we'd spent months 
hearing women speak from all sides of the political debate and thinking, wow, isn't this fabulous, but where are they now? I think it was 2007. I think I hadn't been elected to the council yet, but one of the first things that I... A strong memory I have is the council were closing nurseries at that point. My surgeries were full of women. We got onto the council floor to debate it, and we think we're doing badly in Parliament. Our local authorities are even worse when it comes to representation. I think a lot of that is because councillor hours, a lot of the meetings are in the evening, um, and they're even less family friendly. And of course a lot of community council meetings which they have to go to, and I suppose which yeah. you guys have to go to too. So your days are not really nine to five at all. No, the, the one other thing I was thinking about though, we shouldn't be negative, it's more a question of we can't think just because it was good in one parliament, that's it fixed. Yeah. Those issues like childcare, I mean your point about mental health Daniel, for you to have said what you said in the parliament 20 years ago would have been massive. The fact that we could even talk about things yeah. like that, period poverty, yeah. you know, there's yeah. something about or gay rights. Yeah. My God, there's go back to 1999. We've had leaders in this parliament who are female on different parties. We've had women who are gay, men who are openly gay. There are, there are things where we have pushed the boat forward, but we've never just fixed it and then move on. I think these issues we need to think in advance of every election and then once you've had the election that is it not fixed. Redress so for me maximising the diversity at the next elections and then thinking about how do you support people through that afterwards. It's not just enough to have a, somebody is representing a group yes. tick the box. It's all about refreshing this parliament and supporting people to do the best they can do. Because yeah. the parliament shows that progress isn't linear. No. Um, you can't just sit back on your laurels and think that's grand because you made the point yeah. we have slipped back markedly in league tables um, yeah. and nations who faced far greater challenges than we do let's be fair have far better gender balance and gender balance is only the start of what a representative yeah. parliament yeah. would look like yeah. so to wrap up I'm just going to ask each of you what you're doing this afternoon it was FMQs this morning and obviously you all are supposed to be there for that. Um, what are you doing this afternoon? We'll be in the budget debate shortly. Probably all of us. All of you? Yeah. I was going to pop into the parliamentary corporate bodies yeah, debate no, I'm, because I'm we've got questions this. and there's something about fair pay for our staff. Yes. And I'm also meeting some NHS Lothian staff this morning, so I'm popping in and out of the chamber all afternoon. Good. And you, Daniel, you I've got a, a question in, in, in the corporate body uh, questions about that very issue around uh, staff pay because they're they're not getting or at the moment not getting what the rest of the public sector are and that's not on. Great, it's lovely to meet all of you very hardworking MSPs yet again. Thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Edinburgh Reporter podcast. Listen out for more episodes coming soon.